Good news, bad news. Okay, shoot. Well, the good news is I can breathe better. Um, better than the last time we tried this. Granted. What is the bad news? Well, the bad news is my nostrils, well, one of them anyway. Uh-huh. One of my, what was it, my nostril? Yeah. One of them is still a little stuffed up. One uh, so. nostril, so? Well, so this episode is going to be a little touch and go. That's great. <laughs> Probably is going to work out, but you know, if... Uh, if nothing. But Safe to say it does work out. All right. There is an idea of a show. A working concept. A finished product. This is the beginning. Perhaps of something great. But until we reach that goal, this is... Simply a big bogus podcast. Uh-huh. Um, I've been afflicted with the worst, well, probably not the worst, I mean, just this ongoing stuffy nose problem for uh-huh. the longest while now. It's, it's, it's clear. <laughs> what is that, a pun? No pun intended. Because my nose, my nostrils, they definitely are not 100% clear. That, um, that right there, that is why it's clear. Uh, Introduce the show. Uh, all right, cool. Quickly. All right. Okay. Um, this is Big Bogus Podcast. My name is Mighty Blackfoot. And uh, the other voice there is my conscience, my voice of reason. And uh, this is season 11, episode 10. Yeah, yeah. Say hi. Hi. The theme of this episode is going to be society, organization, and community. Yep. All right, so I know someone, won't say who, who uh, <laughs> speaks in reels a lot, like more than a little that, bit. That would be a lot. He, he's, uh, 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 oh shit, I mean, uh, this person um, Good job. is the kind of person who says most of, all right, fine, it's a he. So he, he says most of the stuff he says just on autopilot. He's always thinking about other things, so he'll be... He'll be asking for, say, a marker and be like, uh, uh, pass me the crayon. Um, when he fully means, pass me the marker. Indeed. So, this is the way he is all the time. And <laughs> the hilarious part of this is that sometimes, you know, I and other people rely on his communication to get through our days uh, in a specific way. So, we can't... We cannot. Well, put it this way. Um, thank God it's not life and death situations that we're always in or ever in when it comes to relying on his words because we can't completely be sure of some of the things he's talking about. I mean, good dude. How nice. No problems communicating in general. Just very absent-minded when he's talking because he's always busy. Wow. Um, so... Wow, wow, wow. So what? Well, the hilarity of that led me into having a... a fucking ridiculous argument with someone about whether I understand him uh-huh. or not, and if not, why? Alright, so, here's the thing about the guy in question. Um, he is an island man. He comes from one of them saint places. Won't say which. Oh, nice. uh, so he has an accent. He has a very specific way of talking um, that 
can be extremely confusing to someone who's not familiar with that island way of talking. You know, one of these sing-songy types of delivery and, you know, sometimes just like with the British people where they're like, oh, me mum, me this, me that. But the island people say me in a typically a different way. Examples. But they'll, they'll, they'll. Examples. Uh, no, not right now. Okay, so. Okay. What was I saying? Well, who knows? Uh, the, uh-huh. the sing-songy stuff is confusing enough. But then there's also the colloquial stuff, which is impossible to understand if you've never heard that type of talking before. And then there's just the general broken English, let's call it. Um, it, it, it can be extremely confusing to someone who's not used to it. So the uh, point of this is to say that I am very used to it because I was born into it. Uh-huh. I was born in a place where they talk like that. So, uh, and even even um, uh, even more strongly than that. Into a place? Of the, uh, the saint, whatever people. Uh, in Jamaica, you'll find uh, people talking in a way that is just impossible to fucking figure out if you if you weren't born into uh, it. Okay, what's the point? Well, the point is, I got into this ridiculous argument with someone who's not Jamaican, only Jamaican because this person's parents happen to be Jamaican. Uh, okay. So this person was trying to tell me, oh, well, you can't you can't understand him when he talks because you're not around people who talk like that all the time. I'm like, uh-huh. oh, I'm just like, his dialect is not the issue. It's the riddles he speaks. Like, pass me the crayon, what he means, pass me the marker. Um, this person, though, would not let it go. Just like, yeah, well... Uh-huh. You just have to be around someone who talks like that all the time for you to understand what they're saying because they they talk backwards and sideways and I'm just like That ain't the issue. I understand the dialect. I was born and raised in Jamaica His dialect is nothing compared to the Jamaican dialect in terms of difficulty to understand so Anyway, this dumb argument got me to thinking on something I think we're all uh, at least a little bit familiar with the idea of imprinting. Um, even if we're not aware that we're familiar with it, um, I think most people have a sense that, you know, for instance, ducklings when they're born, they'll imprint on anything <laughs> alive, really, that's right there when they're born. Um, People are aware that young animals imprint on their parents immediately and just follow them around and copy what they do. We're aware, we're, we're aware of imprinting. Absolutely. And, of course, you know, <clears throat> if it's even one duckling or one youngin imprinting on one parent or parental figure, um... Um, what... Well, that's because that's the way these this creature is designed. That's the way the duckling is designed, to be born, to imprint, to copy, and develop in a certain way. And unfortunately for the duckling, however, and, you know, whatever other animal or life form imprints on others, okay. they don't exactly choose who they're going to imprint on. It's just a matter of who is around when they are born. So... Instinctual behavior aside, uh, and personality-wise behavior aside, 
Um, the kind of duckling or the kind of creature that develops is entirely dependent on whomever they happen to imprint on um, the behaviors of that creature. So, so what? Well, the majority of social behavior and organizational traits and community um, values, they all depend on what was passed down from one generation to another, right? Let's say, okay. So, in that situation, you can have someone who was not born of a certain place, say Jamaica, and this person's parents are Jamaican and were raised in Jamaica, and they have certain societal, organizational, and community senses that they pass on to the child, and then the child feels, therefore, naturally, that he or she is Jamaican. Great, even if he or she was not born in Jamaica. Excellent. Now, oh, oh, and by the way, especially if the parents are not first-generation Jamaicans. If the parents are... It, it, you, you were clear. All right. So, you know, that child, having been born of Jamaican parents, even though that child was not born or raised in Jamaica, has some kind of bragging rights about being Jamaican. Now... Is that the same level of bragging rights as a child who was born and raised in Jamaica with Jamaican parents? Or even a child that was born and raised in Jamaica without Jamaican parents? I don't know. Who's to say? There are levels to this shit. However. Okay. Uh, However. Um, no matter what, it is impossible for that child or that offspring, let's say, um, given that this person could be an adult, it is impossible for that person to possess the same societal, organizational, and community senses uh-huh. of the place, let's call it Jamaica, that a natural-born and raised Jamaican would. Okay. So, in that sense, it would make no sense, and I mean absolutely no sense, for that person to be trying to school a naturally-born and raised Jamaican uh-huh. about how islanders talk. Okay. That is, is that... It's that realization right there that led me to thinking about what a community really is. All right, so here's a mindfuck of all mindfucks, okay? What would happen if an entire population were replaced by a different ethnic makeup, but the language and cultural qualities remained virtually unchanged? Um. I mean, it's not a very difficult thing to imagine because it happens all the time. Basically... Every major inhabited space on this planet has been conquered and taken over um, time and time again by different groups of ethnic makeups. And, you know, the, the cultures have changed a lot. So I'm saying, what would happen if, you know, a place is taken over, not even by force, just gradually by a totally different ethnic makeup and the culture remains the same? That's rare to see where the culture remains the same. Expound. Well, call it what you will, but most places on this planet where um, the the primary ethnic makeup has been replaced by a different ethnic makeup, most of those places are pretty much melting pots, whether you want to admit it or not. Uh, you know, it's said that, oh, the U.S. is a melting pot, pot but Canada is not. Uh, yeah, Canada is a fucking melting pot as well. Because what? 
because Charles Canadians do to have culturally diverse little pockets of people and ethnic makeups. Um, all these little cultures rub off on each other and mix up to make what is known as the Canadian. Because there is no inherent Canadian otherwise. Okay. English and French are arguably what make us Canadian. <laughs> um, that's the extent of the culture that we have here. We strive to speak English or French. Ooh. And we identify with cold weather activities. And that's the extent of the shit. That's so. Uh, even though the different ethnic makeups are not going to all blend into one to the extent of how the Americans uh, to the south of us have blended into seemingly one. Uh -huh. We're still a melting pot, though, because we're all so different and we all have to work together. I think, in a way, Canada is just more reluctantly becoming uh, what it is ultimately going to become in comparison to the States. Um, and I think the States has already become what it has been becoming since it was formed. You know, we're both melting pots, but Canada's slow boiling. Um, the, the cultural differences in Canada or are, are way more evident than in the States, even in terms of the way people speak. Okay. So with this slow boiling culture that we have here in Canada, um, my question remains, what would happen if an entire population were replaced by a different ethnic makeup, but the language and cultural uh -huh. qualities remain unchanged? Okay. Uh, I think this would be like, to make it perfectly clear, what if Nigerians started migrating to Japan for some reason that were allowed, and... Japanese people, you know, cross-bred with Nigerians, and then eventually Japanese people moved away or, you know, died out, and then the entire population of Japan were, you know, black. What, what would happen in that case? Interesting. If the cultural exchange happens and the original population ethnic makeup were no more, what would happen? Weird. Quite strange. How do we end? Well... Whatever makes up, truly makes up a society, organization, or community, it's, it's a very slippery thing. Because although these things can be passed down from generation to generation, uh -huh. eventually they'll be unrecognizable in comparison to what was. There is an idea of a show. A working concept. A finished product. This is the beginning. Perhaps of something great. But until we reach that goal, this is simply a big, bogus podcast. Yeah, I think, I think... Um, societal, organizational, and communal, whatever. Um, I think the preservation of these these uh, qualities that make up uh, society, organization, or community they 
the, the, the act of preserving these these things Qualities. is like a game of broken telephone. Um, and this is why people tend to stick together so vehemently.